Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. We're winding down the summer by going sharking. If you're ready, shark it in a few other things. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com, Screening Room Podcast, presented by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. With a 70-foot-wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounger recliners. That is almost screen big enough for the Meg. <laughs> big enough for the Meg, and that's where we're going to start. Jason Statham. Fighting the shark after escaping an attack by what he claims was a 70-foot shark, Jonas Taylor must confront his fears to save those trapped in a sunken submersible, the Meg. There's a monster outside. What you people discovered is bigger than we ever thought possible. How big is that thing? It was the largest shark that ever existed. A living fossil. Thought to have been extinct for over two million years. Wrong. My God. It's Megalodon. He's kidding, right? So if you thought we were anywhere close to running out of shark movies, <laughs> think again. Because how could we if we haven't got to this? Jason Statham fighting a giant shark. And here it is in all its 3D glory. We're talking about the big screen. Uh, the hell, we saw this in 3D. We did. Uh, didn't really make much of a difference. No. Uh, <laughs> because if there's one thing about this movie, and I've, I've heard this phrase thrown around a little bit already about this movie, so I didn't invent it, but it's not that it's not good enough, it's that it's not bad enough. Yes. You no, know? 100%. Because, I'm with you on that. You know, at least from the trailer, I thought there could be some guilty pleasure fun here. Mm -hmm. If they... Look, you know what you're making. Let's just have fun with it. But... The end result is just, it's its so, it ended up, I was bored. Yeah. I was just that bored. That shouldn't happen. It really shouldn't. No, no I, I agree with you. And uh, we were talking earlier, part of the problem, so um, Jason Statham has gone on record saying that this wasn't exactly the film that he signed up for. The mm -hmm. film he signed up for was considerably more bloody, but studios decided they were going after PG-13 market. So there is, and that is weird. No blood. There is no blood right. this is in a, a shark, shark attack movie. movie. Yeah. You're not going to see any blood, It's which is weird. It but is then weird. the other thing is um, the director, John Turtletop, he's really only made family-centric films, the National Treasure films and others. I mean, so if you wanted even a corny, cheesy, silly shark attack movie, sort of a la the, the Piranha films that mm -hmm. they made, uh, sequels, this is just not the guy to do it. What I was hoping for, you know, the, the the best of what I was hoping for was something on the order of Kong Skull Island. Well, you know, it was, this is... I know, I know. This is so, so, so far away from that. But that was, so I was hoping tone, for, that, for that vibe, like monsters, here we go, let's just go with it and not take this too seriously. But boy, uh, the movie really takes everything too seriously, starting yes. with Jason Statham's character. I mean, they set him up as this damaged hero and really crank up all that hero with the heart of gold quotient. I mean, you know what you get what you, when you get Jason Statham, other than the, the role in Spy, which I want more of that. Oh, you ain't lying. And even his role in the, uh, the Fast and the Furious ones, because I'll tell you what, well, I'm looking forward 
to that, what's it called, Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah, exactly. That, Whereas, but they see, that's that's the right. thing, is because you've got these two franchises right. that understand the Jason Statham, <laughs> you know, and then they take advantage of the fact yeah. that they're just having him be him, and he's very good at it, because he's very funny, well, and he's got great comedic timing at the same time. I mean, and, and you know, I actually had a, for a minute, I thought, because back in the day, there was always that countdown. How many scenes until Statham's shirt is off? You know, back from the early Transporter movies. Right. And they do in this one. I mean, oh, it yeah. takes a while. It takes maybe yeah. 15, 20 minutes. But yeah. there he is in all of his shirtless glory. That's right. So I thought maybe we're going to turn the corner here. We've got the serious backstory, but we're going to turn the corner and we're going to. And Rain Wilson is in it. He's obviously a very funny person. He does a fine job, but they just can't. They can't strike a tone. They really can't. It's taken, you know, the, it's based on the first of a series of novels, series Stop. of Meg novels. My mind is blown. What? <laughs> it is. It really is. Shut there's, up. There's a series wow. of these Meg novels. This is based on the first one. And um, yeah, it's it's just too all in on, on, on the serious, not, seriousness, not only with the character, but most of the side characters, except for Rain Wilson, he plays the billionaire who's funding this underwater <laughs> research lab and vessel and everything like that. There's so much exposition. That just bogs everything down. It's it's so, you know, it tries to get just superficial cuteness with animals oh, and yeah. children, children, and everything is just so one note, and 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 it never gets to be any fun. No, it just and you know, it's funny. There are two Jaws callbacks. I mean, there are several, obviously, but there are two very blatant Jaws callbacks, and in both cases, they pull that punch. Well, to a degree that you think. I thought to myself, why make this statement? The statement you're making is. This is a wussified version of Jaws. The funny thing is, the first Jaws callback, I don't think it's that blatant. You didn't catch it. You didn't catch not it. Not just the name. Not the name. And so the name is the callback. But okay. I mean, the scene, the okay. fact that there okay. is a dog. Okay. And what happens or doesn't. But but here's the thing. When I when I heard that, that callback to the name of the dog, I thought, okay, nice. Right. Okay, you're giving a little nod. And then... That's just like opening the floodgates, yeah. man. Now we're just going to copy every Jaws, not every Jaws, but a lot of Jaws scenes just outright. And well, the thing, about, wow. too, is that it's not just that they copied them, it's they neutered them. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like everything that was scary, everything that was bloody or edgy or dark, we're going to give you the happy version of it. Yeah. Which also makes it weird that so many people do die. Thousands, really, given the number of people that are in that <laughs> water when this, you know, he could just and, swallow them all whole like yeah. they're krill. But but then there's sort of no no one cares at the end. It's like there's not going to be any aftermath that we're the reason that this giant prehistoric shark just ate all those people and we're not going to see any body parts or blood. It's it just weird. And it really doesn't look that good either. It doesn't. And you don't see enough of the shark. And that's not because, you know, it was the Steven Spielberg version in the, in the shark cup breaking because they were using real <laughs> animatronics. I mean, this is CGI. Show me yeah. some shark. At least in, remember, 47 meters down, yeah. it had that one shot. Right. That one shot. The that, money shot. That all, <laughs> well, not exactly, but for that movie, yeah. It had that one yeah. shot where you go, okay, the movie wasn't very good, but that one shot. And I want to give it that. That was that was a movie that took itself too seriously, but it, and then it was so predictable, and it was certainly not a good movie, but it was entertaining. It was yeah. stupid and entertaining. Yeah, and it's just a, another aspect where I thought, boy, if you're going to do these giant monsters, and I kept, maybe I shouldn't have keep uh, comparing everything about this movie to Kong Skull Island, but remember how great the monsters looked in that? <laughs> they great. I mean, they did. They and did. Especially if you're going to put it on a big screen with, with 3D. Just like everything about it, it, it seems like it was really, really badly and hastily edited yeah. as well. I don't yeah. know if that had to do with the, trying to get the PG-13 rating, but everything just looks like 
look, we got to get this out before the kids get back to school. Right. I mean, that's what it screams, yep. really. And it's just it's just not any fun. And beyond that, it's just flat out boring. So uh, no recommendations for the Meg. That is not the case for our next movie, though. Ron Stallworth, an African-American police officer from Colorado, successfully managed to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan and become the head of a local chapter. That is a true story told by Spike Lee in Black Klansman. Hello, this is Ron Stallworth calling. Who am I speaking with? This is David Duke. Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? God. Last time I checked. What can I do you for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans, and Irish, Italians, and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else, really, that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? We'll establish contact over the phone. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face to face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. So there becomes a combined Ron Stallworth. Can you do that? With the right white man, we can do anything. Well, first of all, that that's an incredible story right away that I was not aware of. Probably a lot of people aren't aware of that piece of history. It's incredible. It's amazing. And yeah, so it, it makes really is. a great basis for a movie. And then you've got Spike Lee, who has been over the last, let's say, 10, 20 years, has been hit and miss. Yes. Uh, and he's this one really is is showcases Spike Lee at his best being being topical. Being funny, being visually interesting, and having a message. Yeah, yes. Uh, I, because I think a lot of times you'll find a film where he can be a great storyteller, be a great movie maker, something like Inside Man. And then you've got other ones where he can really employ sort of an activism uh, set of skills that he has, like Chirac. These are just recent films, right? Obviously, you go all the way back and you're going to find some mil- films that have more of those skills. That, but I think that this is the first film in a very, very long time, in many years, that allows him to really showcase all of those skills with a fluidity that few, if any, other filmmakers can really boast, mm-hmm. right? Because this movie, so you've got this just nuts true story <laughs> at the heart of it. it just is. nuts. It is. And a great cast. And then, but but he doesn't just tell it as like a sort of sitcom-esque Look at how zany this is. I mean, he really uses it to show how racism echoes in both directions. It's set in 1979, and he makes sure to bring up visual instances that remind you that this is this what is happening in 1979 had been happening for as long as Africans had been in the United States. Oh, yes. And then verbally, in very many clever ways, he reminds us it is still happening at this time today. Oh, yeah. And and it's just, you know, and he does it in a way that you're not going to miss it. It's not like you could, it's it's so nuanced that you could miss the point. Right. But you also don't feel like you're being bludgeoned to death with it. It doesn't feel like it's preaching. It just feels like uh, this amazing piece of cinema. It's another reminder, nicely subtle, that for anybody that thinks all these instances we're seeing in America today, these racial instances just started with the advent of cell phone video. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You they've know, never they, not been here. They have never, never not, been, not here. been here. It's just that now we have phones and cameras right. everywhere. Yeah. He's always been, even when maybe the movies weren't as good as some of his other movies, he's always been not afraid to, to take a chance um, visually, mm-hmm. stylistically. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but here he's got real uh, meaty subject matter to just tear into. Yeah, he's and, just yeah. shooting on all soldiers yeah. with this one. I mean, it's 
politics aside, it, you know, it's a very well executed, very interesting, like a weirdly interesting story. And, uh, you know, from the trailer, you might get the sense that it's a comedy. And there are a lot of laugh out loud moments, but it's definitely not a comedy. It's very tense and scary at times because of what these two men, Ron Stallworth and then his his uh, partner, because Ron Stallworth is played by John David Washington. He makes contact over the phone and then they want to meet uh-huh. and he he can't, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and David Duke, we should say, is played by Topher, Topher Grace. Grace. How great is that? He's great. He's so good. He's so good. And then, of course, Adam Driver, who's always amazing. And so Adam Driver plays the the cop who shows up stands to in for stands him, in yeah. for him in person. You know, and that is complicated by the fact that even though he wasn't sort of raised in the Jewish faith, he is, in fact, Jewish. And so that adds a uh, complexity and danger to his face to face interaction with these Klansmen. And then the Klansmen, the the performances are really, really good. You get like the psycho, but you also get this guy. And this, I think, is just this really beautiful thing that Spike Lee gives us is that really the main Klansman that they talk to, the guy they talk to the most often, seems like such a nice dude. Right. I love that because that's that's really the fact of of the matter is that you probably know one. The Nazi next door. Exactly. And I love that he works that in. So it's not as if cinematically we're used to seeing, you know, this very one dimensional, which in a way as a moviegoer is comforting because you feel like I'd recognize this guy. But the, the fact that they have Walter, this character of Walter, who's just kind of a good dude. But of course, he's not. I loved yeah. that. I mean, that was just one of the ways in which Spike Lee just flexes muscles that other filmmakers may not have. Yeah, and is able to make the connection between 1979 and today. Right. And that's we say it all the time on how much we appreciate you know subtlety over heavy-handedness, but it's not to be taken lightly when someone can do that effectively because... A lot of people cannot. Right. No. And of course, this is a veteran filmmaker. He has been making great films for decades. Yeah. Um, It's just very exciting to see him with material where he can just just nail it like this. Yeah. And uh, John David Washington, uh, who plays the main uh, the main Ron Stallworth. Stallworth, Yeah. He you might know him from Ballers. He's done a lot of other things, but he also had a very small part as a student in Malcolm X. If you go back to Spike Lee's Malcolm X, so he he might have seen something in him all the way back there, and uh, and brought him in for the starring role here. So you'll probably be hearing his name a little bit more after this. And big recommendation for Black Klansman this week. One more in wide release to talk about. And it's a movie set in a small town in Massachusetts. A group of friends fascinated by the internet lore of the Slender Man attempt to prove that he doesn't actually exist until one of them mysteriously goes missing. Hmm, it's Slender Man. Where is my daughter? People don't just disappear. So we love horror movies, but horror movie coming out uh, mid to late August uh, really doesn't bode well, and that kind of fits the bill here. 
Yeah, especially a PG-13 horror, because basically, right. very much like the mag, this is studios saying, how are we going to get those last $5 out of these kids before they go back to school? <laughs> and, that's uh, right. and that's what they're doing with these two movies. They're PG-13, they're rushed, they don't really make any good sense, and they don't hold together narratively. One thing we always point out, though, especially when talking about PG-13 horror movies, is that it can be done. We always point to The Ring, right. which has some similarities with this movie, but it can be done. You couldn't have, right after I saw The Ring the first time, you could not have told me that it was a PG-13 movie because I was scared enough to go, really? really? Oh, absolutely. I would so, have called it hard R at the time just because it was scary. But you know who else I'm sure saw The Ring? Sylvain White. I feel pretty <laughs> confident that the director of Slenderman saw The Ring. Yeah, yeah. And probably counting on the fact that a lot of the audience they're going for has not. Right. Or at least on the big screen. No, exactly. So, yeah, they've got you four teenage girls. They're together in the one girl's basement because her dad is, you know, a drunk and he falls asleep early and they're not going to get in trouble and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they kind of dare themselves to watch this video online about Slenderman. And I want to back up for a second. So Slender Man, um, here's one of the problems with this film, is that he doesn't actually have a backstory. He uh, he is a super creepy character, but he exists because of a meme contest. From 2009. Right. That's and, how the whole thing started. Right. And so and so, so it was just a it was just a drawing or a you know photoshopped image with a great caption, and it won a meme contest. And then it was so creepy that it kind of you know spread like a virus mm -hmm. across the internet with all these people writing backstories, writing, you know, short stories, writing short scripts, whatever, which is fun. That's a fun idea. But the fact is, there isn't really a narrative for this character. And, and this film can't give him one because he's in the woods. He's always in the woods yeah. because he's like tall and skinny, like a tree sort of. Um, but they make him electronic. I don't know if it's to match sort of the digital age or the fact that really he truly was born online. I don't know what it is, but the two really don't match. They just don't. And they, and they don't do anything in the film to bridge that. That, oh no, he's in the woods. Wait, he's in your phone. Wait, <laughs> he's made of electricity. Why is he in the woods then? They don't know. And then of course, you may remember a few years ago, tragically, it, real, in real life, those two teenage girls used the Slender Man as, I guess, a defense into almost killing yeah, another they, exactly. teenage girl, saying right. the Slender Man told them to do it. And that's when I think a lot of us, the Slender Man, right. what's that? Right. And then, like you just said, it, it came from a, a meme, and now, it's a, and now it's a movie that, yeah, like you pointed out, goes down a lot of familiar roads for horror movies and then just kind of leaves you hanging. Yeah, it's funny how irritated I am when any horror film just does the exact same thing as 35 other horror films. You know, uh, is somebody going to be alone in a library? And they're going to come across a book and it's going to explain everything. But you know what's even more annoying? If then that doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't make any sense. They never talk about it again. Yeah. It doesn't actually explain anything. And there are so many scenes like that where you go, oh, I know this one. They're Googling. They're going to come up with it. Oh, they're going to find out that somebody was a victim in and now in an asylum. And then they'll have to go to the, they're not going to go to the asylum. She's never going to come up again. Why did they bring this up? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, it's another one where we're just trying to probably score the last few bucks out of the teenage audience. It's, and even... You know, a lot of times I'll, I'll refer to movies like, say, Lights Out from yeah. a few years ago. Teenage, you know, teenage horror based on, so you can you grab all to your yeah, date, yeah, yeah. you know, as yeah. you get those scares. And this one doesn't even really have that. No, it really, it's not even good with jump scares. I mean, at least you got to give Lights Out jump scares. It does a, it does a decent job with that. No, this one just doesn't do a decent job with anything. Yeah, so. Definitely, by far, the recommendation on the big screen this week is Black Klansman. So let's go for a snack and go to the lobby and check out some home video.
Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Life of the Party comes out this week. It's Melissa McCarthy going back to college. You know what? We love Melissa McCarthy. Yes. And she gets her shots in in this movie. It's not great, but it has some laughs. Yeah, it's funny. It, it, it's definitely fairly forgettable, especially sort of in her filmography. But uh, but she's so funny. And uh, it does have some, you know, it does have, it yeah. does. It's got its share of laughs. Yeah, and it just makes me remember that the Happy Time Murders is coming, and uh, the one with her and the puppets, and man, am I looking forward to that. Also out on video this week is Breaking In, and that is Gabrielle Union as the mom who you know, has to protect her kids. Uh, this time, the, she has to try to break in her house because somehow the bad guys get in, and it's all about uh, what the bad guys think is in there, and they're a safe room, and they want it, and they didn't know that uh, Gabrielle and her family were going to be there. You know, this is another one where... It's got some moments. I mean, Gabrielle Union proves kind of up to the mm-hmm, task. Yeah. You know, with a better script, there could be uh, could be something for her as an yeah. action and action film. Yes. No, I agree with you. And this, I mean, this has its moments as a sort of B movie, you know, mid level thriller right. kind of a thing. But uh, but here's the thing that drove me the most crazy about this movie is that the whole idea of the movie is this race against the clock because these burglars know that <laughs> right. in X minutes the trip. The wire is going to alarm and the police will be here. And yet they just sit around on their asses talking to each other for the whole movie. I'm like, where's your I'm more anxious about this than you guys. Where's your sense of urgency? I think the one guy actually does. I always say this time to make a sandwich. I think he makes a sandwich. Yes. The one guy actually makes a sandwich. So like you, you have more time than you're letting on. So, yeah, overall, not great, but had had its moments for. One of those type of movies, and that is a breaking in. Book Club had very little moments. <laughs> Book Club. What a waste of a great cast. You've got you've got Jane Fonda, you've got Mary Steenburgen, you've got Diane Keaton, and you've got who's the one I'm forgetting about? The fourth Candace one. Candace Bergen. It's Candace Bergen. So yeah, and they're these old friends, and they have since the seventies in college when they first read Fear of Flying. <gasps> scandalous. Uh, they've had a book club. And so the the book they wanna, you know, Jane Fonda is the the randy one. And uh, she wants to get everybody's fires going again, so she says they're all going to read Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. So that just sets off the hilarity, and it is too bad. Hilarity in quotes. Yeah, hilarity is in quotes. It's You know what? It's hilarity if you like Three's Company, because (laughs) the comedy is all that innuendo-based. You know, back when Mr. Roper overhears, you know, Jack and Chrissy saying in the bedroom, going, it's not big enough, but they're just (laughs) hanging a curtain rod. Right, exactly. That's the kind of humor this is. I, I will give them credit that, they do a better job than a lot of these movies in trying to laugh with the older characters instead of just at them. Sure, yeah. That's better than most, but man, that is not my type of comedy. No. Not my type of comedy at all. It's so lazy, and it is a kick to see all these great veteran stars, because then you also have Craig T. Nelson, you got Andy Garcia, Richard Dreyfuss pops mm-hmm. up for a couple scenes. Don Johnson. Don Johnson. So, yeah, that's great, but boy, the script is just not there. I, I didn't laugh at all for Book Club. Uh, one that we loved, you loved especially, is out on video this week. Big recommendation for the rider. Oh, it's beautiful! It's beautiful. It's a it's a western. It's a it's a cowboy movie, but it's an authentic cowboy movie. So it's really interesting because it gives you all of those same elements that you have the sort of heroic romanticism, you know. But at the same time, it gives you the very true life, life or death choices that these people make to continue to be rodeo cowboys and they don't gloss over it i mean they show you this is what happens if you keep riding 
after an injury. And these are the hard choices. It's so well made and it's it's non-actors. So you should be prepared for that. There is nothing glossy about this. But at the same time, every shot, every scene is just cinematic poetry. Yeah. And uh, it's it's been a while. If you happen to watch, as we do every year around Oscar time, the uh, Independent Spirit yeah. Awards, it cleaned up it last year. And we saw that. We're like, whoa, what's this rider? Yeah. So it was finally great that it's getting a wider. Well, it did get some release in some theaters. But now that it's coming out on home video, uh, you should definitely check that out. Also, one that we liked a lot, horror movie, bloody horror movie called Revenge. Uh, this has... Um, Less talking and more uh, more bloodletting, yes. basically, is what happens so here. This, they started off, you could see it uh, th- briefly in a theatrical release, and then it was on Shudder, because Shudder made it. But now right. you can get it on DVD, or you can get it even if you don't have Shudder, and you should. Yeah. Um, it's a fascinating uh, kind of turn on a very typical type of horror film, and it's very bloody and very interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a rape-revenge horror movie, but it's made by a female filmmaker, which right away is going to give you a different perspective on it, because I know that's not your niche of horror movies No, at I don't all. care for those. But this one is, you're right, it, it makes it makes you think differently about it. Does, it. it does, and it's, it's, it's visually so visually fascinating. so great, because there are long stretches without any dialogue. And there are a couple of the most satisfying um, horror action sequences I've seen in years. Yeah, I really like that one. Uh, and one more on Chesil Beach. We actually got to see this early at the Cleveland Film Festival yeah. a few months ago. Latest from Saoirse Ronan. Um, I think you liked it a little bit better than I did. I thought it was really just meek and, and too much melodrama, although she is good as always. She is. Of course she is. And it, it started off as a novella, and I, it's one of those films you watch and you think to yourself, I bet this is a better read yes, than it is on I def- screen. I definitely thought that. I yeah. also felt as if the male lead, played by Billy Howell, he just can't seem to find the character. He's, I mean, he's created a, a an enjoyable, nice enough guy, but but he's he has not created a character that would behave, that would follow through, that would. It just doesn't tie the film together. He needs to be more um, impetuous. He needs to have more of an angry streak, and he just doesn't. He's just a kind of a sad sack that you want to like. And and because of that, I don't think. I mean, I think that's really imperative for the story to hang together. And plus, I didn't really buy the, the main conflict that right. drives this entire yeah. film. I just didn't buy it. Yeah. I don't. I don't think the film communicates it well enough. Where I I bet the book did Could because be. I definitely mm-hmm. thought during this that like I bet this is a better yeah. read. So yeah. uh, very lukewarm on on Chesil Beach. Look ahead to next week. To be honest, we are on vacation. We are. So uh, we won't be talking about these. But if you want to check them out, there's a few coming to the big screen next week crazy rich asians looks kind of interesting also uh, alpha i guess how how man and dog first joined up as best friends <laughs> and mile 22 which is the latest collaboration between peter berg uh director and mark Wahlberg star and they've the last few times they've worked together they've done some pretty decent stuff they did patriots day Deepwater horizon and some others so that one we'll see and we won't be talking about it, but you can read the reviews. We are going to have them covered. So go to madwolf.com, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, and uh, you can read the reviews there. Yeah, some of our other writers are chipping in and checking those out for us this, this coming week and be writing their reviews. So yeah, please do. So as we get ready to hit our little outro jingle there, that reminds me, we got a comment from uh, listeners Tom and Tammy. They listen every week to the screening room, which we appreciate. And we want to congratulate them because... They are grandparents! New Congratulations! And they're just a little bit happy. So congratulations to them, and uh, thanks for a like in the outro. And the intro, by the way, which was done by my, my friends at the Harrisonburg, Virginia Radio Group. Put that together for us, so thanks all around. Yeah. We appreciate that. So we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya! 
I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.